Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Crime Lawyer, a program dedicated to bringing attention to unsolved crimes and educating the public about various types of crimes and how to avoid becoming a victim. My name is Denny Griffin, and on today's show, my co-host Delilah Jones and I will be talking with Gil Harrington, co-founder of Help Save the Next Girl, and two of the group's outreach advocates, Wendy Fain and April Ayers. Help Save the Next Girl is a national nonprofit organization founded in 2011. And anyway, uh, April and Wendy, while we're trying to get this glitch straightened out, I was just wondering, could you uh, tell us in the audience, uh, and we'll start with you if we can, April, uh, what it's like to be an outreach advocate for Help Save the Next Girl? Awesome. They are a wonderful organization that strives to help the youth recognize predatory dangers, they make them aware, they educate. It's an awesome, awesome organization that I am so grateful to be a part of. And how long have you been with them, since the inception? or? No, only a year and a half. A year and a half. And uh, did you have a background in this type of work prior? No, I did not. Um it was something I became interested in right around the time that um, Hannah went missing. Um, it was very uh, distressing that we had so many young college students that just came up missing. And so that that was a motivating factor for you. Uh, Wendy, how about yeah. you? Um, my motivation was I had a friend in Franklin County that went missing four years ago, Heather Hodges. And I met some of the people from Help Save the Next Girl in a, at an event, and I've been on board ever since. And do you find this also to be a rewarding experience? It's very rewarding. It can be sad at times when you go to events and you hear stories of people that still need help. No matter how far we're reaching, we still find out we need to reach further and further to help these families. And now... Uh, it's. I suspect that when you're helping these uh, these girls, you it, it's hard not to get kind of a personal involvement. Am I correct that that you you bond with them and uh, and take a real personal interest, not just a business type interest? It's hard not to get attached once you hear their story and you meet their family and you know their background you kind of become part of some of their families and you want to follow them after they're found or keep following their story until they're found. Um, and, but 
in spite of uh, when you have sad outcomes or sad situations, the overall experience you think is rewarding and, and compensates for that? And uh, I'd like both of you to answer that. Wendy, why don't you go first? Well, I try to learn something, even when we don't find, safe, find them safe. I try to learn something from that case to help in the next case. It is sad when you can't bring them home, but we try our best, and at the end of the day, that's all we can do is try, and we let the families know that there was somebody there for them because prior to this, there wasn't an organization that does what we do. So it, it's great that now there's a platform for these families and these victims. And April, well, how, how about you? you? I do find it very rewarding, and at the end of the day, um, Unfortunately, we do have the sad outcomes, but there are at least outcomes for those families because it's very, very difficult from what I have heard, I have not experienced, to have a missing loved one and not know where they are and not have some type of closure at the end of the day. Uh, okay, girls. Uh, so how... How is uh, Help Save the Next Girl, how do you get involved in various cases? Does does someone call you uh, requesting help? Do you try to find people who might need some assistance or guidance or uh, or what have you, or does it work both ways? April, what, what's been your experience uh, with how you get in contact or how these people contact you? Usually they contact us. Um, Occasionally, we will see ones online that have come up missing, and especially if it's a police-issued report or a news report, we will share that information online as well. Okay, and, and Wendy, that uh, has been your experience as well, that the the people generally contact Help Save the Next Girl? Yes, sir. Our Facebook page is it's full all the time of people wanting help. And why don't you, while we're talking about it, give out the Facebook uh, information so people can find uh, find you? It is Help Save the Next Girl. That's and right on Facebook. The webpage... and there... Go ahead. No, I was just going to ask if there was a web page as well. HelpSaveTheNextGirl.com. Help save the next girl dot com. Uh, so people can can reach the organization through either the uh, Facebook page or the web page. That is correct. We do have a uh, info at help save the next girl dot com email that is on the web page that they are free to contact or they message us privately on Facebook. Okay, what I'll ask you to do without identifying a specific individual, I'll start with you, April. Um, can you tell us about any particular case, again, without identifying uh, anybody that we that we shouldn't name, but just the background or details of a case where you have uh, been the outreach person, the advocate uh, that you've dealt with and what was involved and so forth? There was a little girl in um, the southwest that ran away several times. And unfortunately, it was with older 
males that she had become involved. And it was probably a two-month span that I spoke with the mother, I spoke with the family, I gave them advice on what to do to get the word out there. They spoke with media. Um, They held several events. And they were finally able to find a young girl. She received counseling for quite a while. And just recently, I was notified that she is doing wonderfully. So that's a happy ending, which is what yeah. <laughs> uh, what what kind of keeps you going, I assume, you know, makes you, makes you want to do the next one when you get those kind of results. Absolutely. That is the reason we do this. And Wendy, do you have any uh, specific case that sticks in your mind? Oh, the case that's close to my heart is, is Heather Hodges. She went missing in 2012. Uh, she is still currently missing. Her case is actively being worked, but they have no, no leads at this point, to really, solid leads to really go on at this point. But it's really close to my heart because she has a daughter. One, at the time she went missing, she's starting school now. Her mom's missed all the first in her life, and we just want to bring her home. You know, either way we bring her home, alive or not alive, we want to bring her home so her daughter can have closure and have a place to go visit her mom and not wonder the rest of her life where her mom's at. Uh, uh, We'll go back to you, April, and with this question. Tell us about who should contact you. Who should contact Help Save the Next Girl? What should their situation be or what should they want to find out or what kind of help should they be seeking uh, to contact your organization? Uh, There are several different areas, actually. One is missing. If you have a missing loved one, you can contact us. We will create a flyer. We will post it on Facebook and get as much exposure as we can for that missing person. Um, The first thing they need to do, though, is file a missing persons report. That is the absolute first thing they need to do. The other opportunity with Help Save the Next Girl is volunteer. Um, You can volunteer at a dent. You can volunteer by sharing the missing flyers, by sharing posts that are on Facebook. You can start a chapter in the school. If you are in middle school or high school, you can uh, contact us, and we will be happy to give you the information on how to form a chapter in your middle or high school. So people can get involved, right? They they don't have to just be a victim or you know have the missing person. They can uh, they can also look to to you to if they want to get involved in starting their, their chapter somewhere or just have questions or some type of an educational uh, program they want to put on. So any anybody in that situation can contact your group. Absolutely. Uh, education is one of our top priorities because if we don't educate our youth, how will they know? Uh, Wendy, the, if someone wants to... Uh, start a chapter or have uh, maybe some kind of a seminar or a training session or training uh, provided, is that something uh, Help Save the Next Girl would do? Would you get actively involved in uh, in 
helping these people out, helping them get up and running, obviously, if they if they're interested in their own chapter. And do you would would someone give a talk if necessary, uh, to a group, for example, if there was going to be a class or a seminar, uh would help save the next girl do that as well? Absolutely. We have a core group of volunteers. We get together, we talk about the messages we get and we kind of powwow on it and there are people in our group that can come to a talk to your group. If you want to start a chapter, you just send us a message on the Facebook page. We will get the information out to you that you need to start that. Anything that we can do to get involved and get more people involved to reach these young ladies and young men before anything happens to them, we're willing to do. Uh, what would what would the types of things be for um that you would advise or warn a person about uh, or a group if, if you were talking to a group or presenting to a a meeting or a seminar of some kind uh, what kind of advice would you give let, let's just say with females for a minute say with the girls uh, college girls uh, what what should they do or not do uh, to help protect themselves and keep from getting into these bad situations. And um, April, let's start with you on that. What what type of advice would uh, would they receive? Always use the buddy system. Never leave your friends alone. Carry your cell phone at all times. Those are two very important things that you need to do to stay safe. The buddy system ensures that you have someone there with you and you're less likely to be approached if you are not alone. If you are alone in a dark place, again, avoid alleys, that type thing, make sure you're in a safe place. We actually teach. Do you find your audiences uh, to be receptive? Uh, I mean, do they take, do they take the advice seriously, do you think? Do you think it hits home? Absolutely. Absolutely. We um, are currently partnering with the Roanoke City Police Department for the Safety Summit in Roanoke on August 6th. We're going to have six different classes that will teach about peer pressure, safety. Um, it's mainly for the younger groups that are you know, going out into life. It's called Launch Pass danger. You might be launching into your next grade. You might be launching into college. You might be launching out into the the working world. But we are not the only ones that want to teach this. There are so many organizations out there that really want these these young adults, young and adults, going into adulthood. They want these children to know how to be safe. It's imperative that they are safe. Uh, Wendy, we were just talking about a, a police organization being involved. Do you, uh, so in addition to individuals of uh, a, a police department or police agency or law enforcement agency, uh, can also uh, request assistance or involve you in programs and involve uh, Help Save the Next Girl in their programs. Uh, do you deal with police agencies on a fairly regular basis? Yes, we have several police agencies that we work with. Um, 
we work closely with them and they they love our message and they help spread our message. <clears throat> Running Police Department, we did a thing last summer downtown with them and it was people everywhere. We went out, walked the streets, we handed out flyers and information, they had food, community in to show that the police aren't always bad and it's necessary to have this this type of organization and that we can work together. So the police find you, I'm sure, or find your organization as a valuable ally to to help them out. Well, people don't always want to go to the police. It might be a situation where somebody run away and their friends, there might be younger people and their friends might feel more comfortable telling the organization than going to the police. So it, it's a different way to reach out to help find people. And... I was just thinking uh, as as you were talking about some people being reluctant maybe to go to the police for whatever for whatever reason um are there certain things that you are required to do though if, to to report to the police are you under any uh, is the organization under any legal obligations that if you get certain types of information you have to report it or no I'm not aware of any legal obligation. We just automatically do it. We don't work against the police. We work with them. We want them to trust us as much as we trust them. So any information we get, any tips or leads we get, automatically go to the police. Now, how how is, uh, in April, I'll ask you here, how is the uh, organization funded? I, do do you, you accept donations, and you obviously have volunteer uh, workers, um, does the agency get any grants or any governmental type assistance, financial assistance? That is a question for Jill. Um, I am not aware of any, but that does not mean that there are not any. We also sell shirts and hats, bracelets. Um, other than that, donations. So we do people can get involved. Okay, so you have fundraising events, and you also have, like you say, T-shirts and various things you can uh, help raise revenue through, and then just uh, private donations, at least, from individuals who want to get involved in in that manner, Uh, and they can do that without having to become a volunteer. They can contribute or make donations to the organization without having to sign up uh, as a volunteer. Okay. Um, they can mail checks in. The address is on our webpage. A lot of times they come to the event. They'll do donations there. Um, we accept credit cards. So they have unlimited opportunities to donate if that's what they feel that, you know, that organization is the best one for them to donate to. Um what uh, what I had intended to do before we ran into our uh, technical problem with getting uh, Gil on board, I was going to have her talk a little bit about uh, her daughter's case. I think what I will do is I will mention that now because I'd like the listeners to get a little better feel for the background of the organization. So for the last 10 years, Gil Harrington has traveled with Orphan Medical Network International to Zambia, Africa, to care for patients in remote tribal regions. The Morgan Harrington Educational Wing in Nadola, Africa, 
and the Morgan Dana Harrington Memorial Scholarship at the Virginia Tech Carilion School of Medicine in Roanoke, Virginia, were both created to honor Morgan and her desire to become an educator. Gil's husband, Dr. Dane Harrington, is the vice dean of the Virginia Tech Carilion Medical School. Their surviving child, Alex, resides in Brooklyn, New York. And for anyone not familiar with the with the case, Morgan Harrington was uh, a 20-year-old student at Virginia Tech, and she disappeared after attending or at a, when attending a concert. And her disappearance and uh, uh, went unsolved, and her death went unsolved for quite some time. Actually, until uh, last year, when another student from Virginia Tech disappeared. And if you, uh, April, let's start with you. Do you want to give the background on what happened as as far as uh, Morgan's case as a result of the second disappearance? Um, From my understanding, DNA linked a unresolved rape case and Morgan's case as well as Hannah Graham's case. So DNA matched all three cases. It recently went to trial, and he pled, he did an Alfred plea um, of guilty on all charges in both Hannah's and Morgan's case. He received, I believe, a total of six consecutive licenses. Without parole, I hope. Without any type of parole. He cannot even apply for geriatric parole. He will never get out of prison. And that, uh, you know, I certainly don't know this individual personally, but for what he's done, what he's admitted to, uh, that is certainly an appropriate disposition as, as far as the safety of the rest of us is concerned uh, to have him off the streets for good. Uh, And I don't know what you folks, uh, if you use the term uh, closure frequently, but I used to, I used to use that. And then I started thinking that what, you know, if you're the survivor of a, of of a victim who's been murdered, uh, I don't know if there ever is closure in, in the in, in the sense. I mean, that pain is always going to be there, but at least I think there's some resolution if you if if as the survivor you can find out who killed your loved one and perhaps why to at least get some understanding of what happened. And of course, uh, hopefully, the justice that comes along with identifying. Uh, the uh, the perpetrator and so forth. Um, Wendy, did does do I make any sense there, or, or do you think closure is the appropriate term? You make absolutely perfect sense to me. I think Dan and Jill could have done nothing. They could have just went through the paces of Morgan being abducted and Morgan being murdered, but they didn't. They rose up and they brought an army to try and keep this from happening to anybody else. They took something so tragic in their life 
and try to save other people. And I think that's an amazing gift that they're giving to these families when they go home at the end of the day, they still don't have their daughter. And they have to face that from time to time. But these other families are getting their children back. Whatever way the case goes, they are getting them back. And they don't have to wonder and worry where they are. I think that takes amazing grace to be able to do what they've done. And thank thank God for people like that because there's an obvious need for an organization like Help Save the Next Girl. And, um, you know, somebody had to take the bull by the horns, if you will, and and get it going. And it's certainly tragic that it took the type of incident with Morgan to uh, to involve them. I mean, it, it's uh, certainly a, a shame. But once it did happen for them to do what you said and to uh, to bring in an army and, and to not drop it and to not let it go and then make this effort to help other other girls and other families uh, either not to have to go through this, not to become victims, or if they are victims, to help them out and possibly help them through it. So, um, and you know, it, it's it's great to hear that you're getting the, the organization's getting the response it is because so many of us, I think, if you don't, if you haven't been involved personally with these things, it, you you hear something on the, the news on TV or on the internet, you see a story or something. Um, but if you're not personally involved, I, I don't think you really appreciate what happens and what is going on and the dangers uh, that are out there. So I, I think public awareness is a great thing uh, and a necessary thing because education is, uh, has been mentioned is a crucial part of all of this. Uh, the I, I think we would all, and I, hopefully uh, you girls, you ladies would agree with me, that to have no victims, get to, get to the point where if people are, uh, you know, educated and alert and aware enough that uh, that the predators uh, can't get them and don't get them. I mean, that obviously would be the, uh, the utopian outlook uh, and goal, but... Um, if, to cut down on the number of these cases and these uh, real tragedies, and the, the, obviously the victim is well the victim, but people I don't think realize too what these types of things do to the family. You have like the Harringtons, for example, uh, and you have all these families, and there's brothers and sisters and. Uh, close friends and boyfriends. I mean, there's there's all a lot of people are affected when something like this happens, and the general public uh, probably has no idea uh, the shambles it can turn a, someone's life into when something happens to a loved one like that. Um, do you agree with that, April? That that there's repercussions far beyond the the actual victim. It, it impacts so many people. Absolutely. Um, when I first met Jill, I was so amazed at how strong she and Dan were. 
we were doing a candlelight vigil for the missing in Roanoke. And I couldn't imagine. My daughter was standing right there beside me, and I could not imagine her being missing, much less murdered. I don't even think there's words for it. it. It would have to be devastating. And going back and forth wondering, are they dead? Are they alive? Are they okay? Are they cold? Are they hungry? I, I don't think you can imagine. I really don't. I, I, every time I try to think about it, first of all, like, I'm horrified. Um, but secondly, there's no other word. Unimaginable. It's just unimaginable. And I believe it touches so many lives outside of the family. You've got the friends who feel helpless. They don't know what to do when you have a missing loved one. Uh, Jill has said this time and time again. Do you bring casserole? Well, do you do this? Do you do that? Well, those are all grief-type processes. What do you do when you have a missing loved one? Friends don't even know what to do. The community is rocked. I know that when Morgan went missing and when Hannah went missing, these were large cases in our area. And we were all affected, but we weren't affected like the family and the close friends were. No, and you just mentioned, I, I think, very accurately that it, it's tough. When you think about that, it's really tough to find the words. Uh, it's it's just such a horrible thought, uh, you know, to, to be in that situation. Uh, Wendy, if... Uh, some of the other cold cases that, that we have dealt with on CrimeWire, we've run into situations where the police agency, the investigating agency, and the family end up kind of at odds. Maybe the family isn't satisfied with the the way the investigation is going or how certain things were done or the effort. Uh, maybe they perceive that the police agency is not putting the effort in that that they that their family thinks should be applied and so forth uh, when there is um a friction or between the investigating agency and the family do you guys uh, does your organization ever kind of intervene as a middle person maybe be the contact uh you know, between the, the family and the police agency to 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 kind of move things along if if uh, comes to that? I personally haven't been involved in that. I've had family come to me and say, I don't feel police are doing everything that I think they should be doing. And my advice always to them is they're doing what they can and they're doing it so when they do get the evidence and it does go to trial that there's no loopholes. They have certain standards they have to go by, and if they don't go by one certain standard, it can jeopardize the entire case. So I always ask them to have patience. You know, keep calling. Keep, you know, keep on them and let them know that you still care about your loved one. You still want answers. But still give them the time to do the case properly so when it does go to trial, you you will have the resolution you want. If you hurry through it... you know, in the end, they might get away with it and do it to somebody else. So I always ask them to have patience with law enforcement. We don't see everything they do behind the scenes. So we don't have an understanding completely of what they do. But like in Heather's case, you know, we won't hear anything for a long time. And then we'll talk to an investigator and they'll tell us 10 things they've been doing. 
So we know that they work the case. They just can't always tell the family and friends and community what they're doing in order to not jeopardize the case. Yeah, and uh, a very good point. Uh, the Obviously, during an active investigation, their information is developed that, uh, if known by the general public, could, as you say, jeopardize the investigation and uh, and even jeopardize a, a, a prosecution. And, uh, you, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, uh, can you imagine if – you finally think there's an arrest made in the case of your loved one, uh, and then you you get it into court, and the the defendant walks because something, you know, there was a hurry up or whatever, or the, or the investigation was, wasn't properly conducted, or uh, and then the person gets away. I, I just, as a parent, I couldn't imagine the feeling that if that happened. So. Yes, uh, patience is tough sometimes, but uh, truly in, a, in these types of cases, patience is also a virtue because you don't want to screw it up. Uh, do you agree with that, April? Absolutely. They do their jobs. They keep you out of the loop for a reason. And as hard as that is, it is better to make sure that the case goes to trial and is won rather than keep you in the loop. And it's very, very difficult to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I can't imagine. I can't imagine doing that um, or going through that. But it's extremely important. And like you were saying and uh, and April was saying, if as frustrating as it might be sometimes to, to maybe if you, you you don't think things are happening, yet they are behind the scenes, they're just being kept uh, uh, playing close to the vest from the from the investigators, you have to, uh, you know, somehow overcome that anxiety and that, uh, that frustration and hang in there and... Uh, you know, you get to get the results at the end uh, when when the, when the case is solved, and it brings up another thing. You you mentioned that uh, the DNA in Morgan's case and and the other two cases, Hannah's case, that tied all these things together. And several years ago, you'd have thought some of these cases were totally unsolvable. I mean, you know, how would would you find when a case got to be five, ten, twenty years, thirty years old, it was it was kind of a, a no win. I mean, it was over. And look at today with the, with the technology and DNA and DNA. There's more advancements in DNA virtually almost daily. There's something uh, new that comes up with the with that technology. So if you're a, a victim's family. You can't give up the hope because there's always a chance now uh, with these advancements that the case can be solved. And uh, Wendy, what are your thoughts on that, on the advances that are made in that the, the families of these victims in these cold cases, it's not all lost. There's, there's still chance and probably a good chance that uh, a case can eventually be closed. It takes one little action 
on the part of the predator to leave something behind. And you don't know how many cases that they will be linked to. But besides helping the victim, I hope this also sends a message to the predator that it's not going to be that easy for you anymore to take these people, to stalk these people. Technology is catching up with them. And they might think, oh, I can go to their house and take them. If nobody sees me, I'm good. But you leave DNA everywhere you go now. And technology has caught up with that. But they can tell stuff from your fingerprints, your hair. I mean, you can't do anything now without leaving something. And I hope that sends a strong message to the predators that you won't get away with it. So don't even try it. Yes, and, and your thoughts, April, on that? Totally agree with Wendy. I believe with DNA, we are just making leaps and bounds. I believe we will go even further with that in the future. I do not think that we are at a standstill with that. And also, I mean, with the with the passing of the new legislation um, that Jill um, went in front of uh, Congress, I believe. I can't even remember where she went. But um, <laughs> if you now have a class one misdemeanor, you will have DNA on file. So not only is DNA making a difference, but the laws are making a difference. Had there been DNA on file for a class one misdemeanor, Jesse Matthew would have been caught much sooner. And other victims would not have been. So I, I not only believe DNA, but I also believe the difference is legislation as well. It's it's a very good point, and a lot of people, I, I think myself included, don't always think about that, that you have to have the laws on the books that are going to do the job, and if they're not there, they need to be there. Uh, and, and people like Jill who who pursue these things and, and deal with the legislature and so forth to get the right laws enacted and on the books that are going to help save the next girl. Uh, and, and it's really uh, very important that that happen and that the citizens, even if you haven't been a victim or aren't involved in that type of case, are supportive of these efforts to try to get laws passed and, you know, that, that are going to help everyone. And uh, it, that is a big part of it. And, I just, uh, when I see that some of these legislatures in various parts of the country are don't pass uh, laws and don't enact laws for various reasons that to me sound kind of uh, kind of weak, uh, I, I think they're doing a disservice. So it's very important for people to keep getting uh, improvements in front of the legislatures and and getting these laws passed it's uh, i don't think that can be overemphasized and the other thing i think is uh, regarding once a person is caught you know the sentencing and releasing some of these people back out into the community maybe before they should uh if ever you know maybe 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 they're not good parole risks or probation risks maybe that uh that needs to be looked at as well. And if a person's a dangerous predator, they need to be kept somewhere where they're not going to do any more harm. Um, 
we're running out of time here. I'd just like to get some parting comments. Uh, Wendy, do you do you agree that legislation um, is is a crucial part also of helping save the next girl? To me, it's the most crucial part because in these cases, we have to look at we have to work with law enforcement. If we don't have the laws and we don't have the standards, then it's much harder to progress in these cases so it has to start somewhere and I think legislation is a great place to start with that and April do you have any uh, closing thought I, I think we touched on everything DNA and legislation all of that is very crucial working with law enforcement buddy system. Everybody works together to help save the next girl. Well, ladies, I really appreciate your being with us today. I'm sorry we ran into the technical problem with getting Jill on, but uh, perhaps we can we can have her back at another time um, and talk more about this. But I really appreciate your help, and you've been very uh, informative as, as to what your organization does and. I encourage anyone who wants to get involved, either as a volunteer or through donations or setting up a chapter or whatever, uh, should should contact you folks either through either the Facebook page or the uh, the website. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having us. Okay. Thanks again, and uh, until next time. We'll talk to you on CrimeWire. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Flo, and this is my impression of a drill instructor directing a musical. Get those tap heels in line and let me see those jazz hands. Are you bundling your home and auto insurance through Progressive? Can you hear me through those sequins? Bundle your home and auto through Progressive and save. Left, 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 and step off change. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates. Home insurance provided and serviced by other select insurers. Geico presents Sharing versus Oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you can save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. 
That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 